Welcome, screensavers. I'm Michael Gallup. I'm Matt Sturdivant. I'm Tyler Slitkus. Together, we host the Silver Screensavers podcast. Dear listener, we love having you. Thank you so much for being here with us today. All three of you for this episode. We know that none of you saw Cyrano. And if you did, I think that's great. But we know many of you did not. Luckily, we did see Cyrano. And we think that you should see it too. We're diving into it in this episode. Later on, we'll be continuing our Oscar Rewind series with Best Picture nominee Belfast. And it was the front runner for a while, and we're going to talk about it. But first, as always, weekly watch list. Matt, what do you got? So I'm going to keep it kind of brief this week. I didn't really watch a whole lot. I've been playing more Bioshock because I'm on a bio, such a Bioshock kick lately ever since that Netflix movie got announced. I hope that movie's not hot trash, but uh, the game is near and dear to my heart. It's probably my second... Well, it's a, it constantly fights for my favorite game of all time with Fallout 3. Like, those are pretty neck and neck. But um, besides that, for films I've actually been watching, I um, got a few new Blu-rays in the mail, a couple Studio Ghibli Steelbooks. I got My Neighbor Totoro and Spirited Away. And I also nice. got Unka Jams. And I do plan on watching that for something that's going to be revealed pretty soon. Um, but uh, the ones I actually watched, I, I didn't watch that yet. I watched Spirited Away, which is probably one of my favorite animated movies of all time. Honestly, up there is probably one of my all-time favorite movies. Hayao Miyazaki, beautiful animation, compelling story. It's emotional. I get emotional every time I watch this film. It's just so good. Um, and then besides that, we... As you guys who follow us on social media know, we did see the Batman on the fan-first, quote-unquote, release window. I'm going to save my thoughts for our actual episode on it, but I will say I do have a lot that I enjoyed about it. But beyond that, that's pretty much that's pretty much been my week. I'm on call. I'm about halfway, a little less than halfway through an on-call week at work, and that's been, that's been exciting. That's been... Quite, quite the time, but I won't get into that right now. Let's just say Matt is now the the enemy of mailmen. Oh, that Tyler. <laughs> Tyler, what do you got? I didn't watch much. I saw the Batman with you guys, so we'll have our full review of that next week. Yeah, and I've just been watching things that we're going to talk about on later episodes, so I'll save it for then, and frankly, just mostly, I want to get to Cyrano, so let's get to it. Cyrano is about Cyrano de Bergerac, who is a soldier who is in love with his lifelong friend Roxanne, and realizes his physical appearance will keep her from loving him, at least that's what he thinks. So when she confesses that she is in love with another soldier, Christian, Cyrano ghostwrites love letters for the inarticulate Christian so Cyrano can express his love for Roxanne from afar. I think that's the longest description we've ever done. This is directed by Joe Wright, written by Erica Schmidt. This is based on her own 2018 stage musical, which in turn is based on the 1897 play by Edmund Rostan, which is a fictionalized version of the life of the real Cyrano de Bergerac. Uh, apparently Joe Wright saw the stage musical and approached Miss Schmidt who, and he said that he wanted to make a movie and here we are with this beautiful product. Uh, this, the original stage production also 
starred Peter Dinklage and Helly Bennett, so they are reprising their roles for this. Guys, this did receive one Oscar nomination, Best Costume Design, and my fingers are about to snap off with how tightly I am crossing them that it wins. <laughs> but, Matt, why don't we hear from you? What did you think of Cyrano? I, I definitely enjoyed it more than I could have pictured myself enjoying it, especially after watching the trailer. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, it's funny. I, I always consider myself notably not a musical person, but I've watched probably like three. I, I, I'm considering Tick, Tick, Boom a musical, even though it was more of like a play with music. No, it it is. This film was too. But then West Side Story. So the last three musicals that I've watched, I've actually thoroughly enjoyed. So I, I feel like we're getting to the point where I can't say I'm not a musical person anymore. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought the musical numbers were decent. I know I've seen a lot of people sort of dumping on Peter Dinklage's singing voice. Honestly, I thought it was fine. I think it served its purpose, much like the Hugh Jackman in Les Mis. Like, it wasn't, mm. you know... It's fine. I thought it was fine. I The music itself was fantastic. The composition and whatnot. The acting was very good for a lot of the dramatic scenes, which there were a lot more than I expected there to be, which I was totally okay with. Overall, just like a very solid production. Like I said, I enjoyed it more, more than I was expecting, which is always a nice thing to say. Tyler. I think I'm just going to end up echoing, basically, I'm just echoing a lot of what Matt said. I agree wholeheartedly with what he said. It was a movie I liked a lot more than I was expecting. Uh, I, and just to add on, I think just the emotional uh, moments, I was shocked at, that they got to me so much. Like I genuinely felt emotional during scenes, um, which we'll talk about later. Um, so I, I definitely liked it a lot more than I expected I was going to going into it. Yeah, I hear both you guys. I was the one most excited for this movie. I think that's fair to say. And I love this movie. It is amazing. It's enjoyable from top to bottom. It gets better in my estimation whenever I think of it. It is saturated in romance. And it is unapologetic in its sentimentality. I don't think it gets sappy. And even if it gets a little sappy, I didn't care whatsoever. It's such a cozy movie. It's a little world you get to live in for a while. Though it does definitely get dark. Um, it doesn't stray away from that kind of stuff. The character motivations and actions are like so slippery. I was fascinated the whole time. The performances are superb. Dinklage, Matt, like you said, we'll talk about the music more. I really don't mind it when someone's voice is not the most, I'll say like classically trained um in fact like most of the musicians that i like don't have like the the prettiest voices that you've ever heard i liked it because it was unique and also as we talk about the individual scenes i will talk about how i thought not just his singing but the acting in his voice while he was singing was excellent and underscored everything that he was feeling at every moment uh Haley bennett is perfect in this movie so excited to discuss her this script is really sharp uh it was one of my favorite most enjoyable elements of it apparently uh miss schmidt and and joe wright worked on this for two years it's much funnier in some scenes than i expected it to be 
The music is great by by the national and not only is it catchy but it perfectly complements whatever emotional context the scene has this movie isn't perfect uh there's one element part that i thought could have been better but i'm so happy with that we got this with most of it its strengths far outnumber its flaws anybody who is a fan of romance drama musicals please go see this one this one needs the support it's it's release strategy was botched and that really i think hurt it um not that i thought this was going to be a 200 million dollar movie anyway but I, I think this could have done better so please go see this one i won't go so far as to say if you're not a fan of musical costume dramas if those aren't your thing I'm not going to, you probably won't like this, maybe, but I'm not going to recommend it to to that kind of person. Like Christian in the movie, I don't know if I'll be able to fully articulate my admiration for this movie, even though I've been going on for five minutes now. Does it render you, what's the word? Speechless? Yeah. Yes, it yeah, does. That. Definitely renders me speechless. So I think it's safe to say we all recommend this movie. The performances here, I like everybody's firing on all cylinders. Peter Dinklage, who has proved to us time and time again that he has such a gravitas, he's such a, a captivating actor. He is married to Erica Schmidt, and Haley Bennett is Joe Wright's partner. So this was very much a family affair. Hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't know that before I did my research either. Her as Roxanne, I... So... I had seen a few of her movies before, but I have to be honest and say that I don't like remember her standing out. That's not me saying anything about her performance, but um, the movies that I saw of her were Marley and Me, a movie I love, The Girl on the Train, which is uh, I don't love, and Hillbilly <laughs> Elegy. So this was the the first time I had like a real experience with her, and I'm like, there, she just doesn't play a false note in this whole thing. So what did you guys think of her? Well, she was also in The Devil All the Time. I didn't on... see that one. Oh, no? No. I uh I you know what? I liked it. It it wasn't wasn't the best, but it was solid and it was fine. You you get a nice you get a a good in my opinion performance from Tom Holland. At least it was better than Cherry. Granted, that's not a high bar to cross, but <laughs> um and you get a manic performance from Rob Pattinson, so that's always very good. Um a fat Sebastian Stan, that's fun. Um, what else was in that? Oh, I didn't, I didn't know. That. I didn't know about that. Yeah. Jason Clark playing a scumbag. What else is? All right, we're done with Devil all the time. It's zero no time. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm on a tangent. Uh, we also got Kelvin Harrison Jr. Uh, as Christian, who I, I first saw him in Waves in 2019, and that was one of my favorite movies of that year, and I've been on his side ever since he was excellent i thought the three leads worked perfectly in tandem with each other they they all wanted the same thing but it was just expressed in so many different ways i think Kaylee bennett is like the probably the best singer amongst them um but i i, I again there isn't a false note in any of their performances i'm sorry but harry melling was also in the devil all the time uh, that's <laughs> Thumbs up or thumbs down for the devil all the time? Thumbs between the middle and up. All right, it's dead for the rest of this podcast. As okay, far as I'm, we're done. I'm done. I'm <laughs> done. I'm done anyway. 
Also, Ben Mendelsohn as the Geish, who is a duke who is courting Roxanne. He was very fun as a villain, as this very sinister, uh, slimy, gross guy. And he's proved that he's very good at that kind of thing. <laughs> what? Sounds, sounds like the most underhanded compliment ever. He's very good at playing a scumbag slimeball. He's good, slime he's good ball. at villains. He's good at villains. <laughs> Much like Jason Clark. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. I did it again. I mean, uh, you, know, you want to sneak in references? Hey, it's fine. Um, no, he, he's, he's good in all his roles, but... Speaking he, of Ben Mendelsohn, look what I have right next to me. That's a ticket for Rogue One. <laughs> That's oh, wow. awesome. <laughs> do you keep that there intentionally this i just found today in my desk and it's been there since uh december 28 2016 oh wow <laughs> that's fine i have a ticket stub from ant-man and the wasp in my drawer in my coffee table that i found oh. <laughs> i have a whole collection of movie tickets probably all the way back from like 2015 or 16 so me too i most of them i keep in my wallet not intentionally just that's where they end up hmm. matt after so we all saw this together matt after we left you you talked about your impressions of this as a musical could you sum those up for us um so i it was very reserved for a mu- as a musical like there was definitely less singing and dancing than i was expecting you know the trailer was cut in such a way that it looked like a straight-up musical and that's why i was like i oh, rolling my eyes but well uh Joe Wright wanted them to record live, which does make things trickier, but I guess he didn't want him to, to make the musical moments feel artificial or whatever. The performers had a piece in their ear which would play uh, at least a version of the musical track so that they could keep time as the cameras were rolling. And I, like you were saying, it's, it's not a big set piece musical, and I thought that really worked for this. Um, it's, it's not entirely one where all the dialogue is sung either. It's kind of in between a lot of, there are a couple of big numbers, but mostly the music is spread evenly throughout. There are a couple of great motifs, which I really loved. Sometimes there are very brief moments of singing that stop sooner than I would have guessed. Like the first time that, that Cyrano sings madly, uh, I, I thought that would go on longer, but it didn't, which was fine. I don't know about you guys, but especially in the beginning, the mix was a little bit off for me. Am I alone in that? No, not at all. I agree with that. Yeah, same. It was particularly during the When I Was Born song. Um, I couldn't exactly hear Dinklage over the music as as well as maybe I should have. Not a big issue, but something that I noticed. There was a couple times where I thought the music should have been louder, like, at points, like, where it just didn't come through as well, I feel like, mm. which I figured was a mix issue. Yeah, and I, I, I'm i never sure if that's the film's fault or if it's the system that the theater is using, not that I'm blaming the theater either, um, but I don't want to, like, falsely malign a film if, if it wasn't them, but either way, it wasn't, it wasn't a big issue for me. I, I really like the songs. I love the songs. I've been listening to the soundtrack a bunch. Um, sometimes, like, the lyrics couldn't fill all the music, which is fine. Pauses in singing is can be very dramatic. Some of the lines were very short, but 
what this led to where there were some moments where performers would just be sitting there waiting for the next line and some performers made the most of those pauses better than others uh and that was that was you know we'll we'll get to specifics on that i know who you're taking shots at specifically (laughs) no shots just just observations (laughs) that's a polite way to put it yeah did you guys have a favorite musical moment in the movie mine was wherever i fall the first part I'm still listening to that song now. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if there's really one I would necessarily shout out. I thought they were all solid. I think, and I really like all of this, I would say it's the combo of every letter, which I believe was original to the movie, maybe wasn't in the stage show, I'm not 100% on that, but I think, and overcome you know, the balcony scene, those two really really hit me hard i love that this is a movie about unrequited love how comfortable we can become in loving someone from afar or having a crush on somebody from afar and like sometimes you get you feel so at home in your like distant admiration that you're afraid to take a chance and lose that right even though your your dream of being with this person isn't realized and you're living in disappointment kind of you're more comfortable in that in like having the chance than actually going for it and losing that and Cyrano says that at one point right if he if he loses the pain he might lose everything so I I absolutely love that yeah and it's just kind of like like a like explores kind of a love where like you love them so much you just want to be around them and like you said, exactly. like, you know, if you if you take that chance and you lose them, then it's even worse. So, like, you got to settle for just, you know, I can interact with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, you know, Cyrano accepts very early. Well, not accepts because it's kind of a block in his own mind is he thinks very early on that he is just unworthy of Roxanne's love and he'll never get to be with Roxanne. Roxanne could never love him even though they've been very close friends since they were kids. It's just never going to happen. So he thinks that he's already reached the peak of his love potential with her. It's just, you know, it's my destiny to love Roxanne from afar. Um, and he thinks he can't rise above that. I don't know. I, I'm just a big fan of unrequited love in, in movies and TV. So I really like this. I just want to bring up a point. I'm glad they had characters kind of come out and say, like, well, then you're devaluing her by, like, you're saying she wouldn't love you. Like, you're saying she's not open-minded to that. I kind of like that. You don't see that a lot in things. Where, right. like, the other mm-hmm. characters basically, ba- like, said, like, well, if, if like if she's so perfect, she'll like you for who you are. Yeah, I, I like that take quite a bit, you know. You know, it's... As someone who can be a bit self-deprecating sometimes and assume and assumes that everybody hates me um i i like that they're sort of shining light on the counterpoint to that which sometimes i have to reaffirm to myself that like to assume somebody hates you you assume that like they're just a terrible person enough to not to you know to judge you without knowing you enough or or whatever you know right and you also take away the power of decision 
from from their hands right by not offering it right yeah which don't get me wrong understand Cyrano 100% it is scary as hell to admit your feelings to somebody especially if you could lose a lifelong friend over it so that's that's one of the things I love is I, I, I can understand everybody so well um, the production design in this is just awesome apparently they filmed in Sicily mostly and they were going for sort of a maybe late 1600s to early 1700s vibe the production design was done by Sarah Greenwood who did a fantastic job as far as I'm concerned and before we get into specifics I would just like to lament over this terrible release strategy and again I'm not I, I don't want to point I don't want to point fingers anywhere specific you never know what goes on but this is supposed to come out in late December it was delayed at least twice beyond that um, and I'm not saying that the Oscars are the end-all be-all but this definitely hurt its awards chances in my opinion I don't think it would have been best picture frontrunner either way but still it's you know I think it hurt that and I think it's gonna hurt the amount of people that that see it um, you can't go to your local for a lot of people you can't go to your local theater and see this which is really a shame yeah um, like even we had to go to kind of a more niche theater which nothing against niche theaters but it just wasn't as accessible like yeah there are only and two theaters in our area when we have a you know a major chain nearby but only one in their locations even had it and we're lucky that we have that yeah. you know so many areas don't have that um so it's you know, I was very disappointed in that because I think this is such a stupendous movie and have heard nary a bad word about it. People who are seeing it are really loving it. So, you know, if, if you can find a way to, to watch this, then please give it a chance and, you know, maybe it can make a little bit of money. That would be cool. You guys ready to move into the scenes here? I want to talk about the scenes. I'm ready for the scenes. I'm ready, Freddy. All right. Spoiler warning, if you have not seen the following movie, please go watch that movie and come back or accept the consequences. So the beginning theater scene, we have the song Someone to Say, at least the first one sung by Roxanne, which we have, well, I should say, we start with Roxanne who is being courted by Degish, the Duke one of the most powerful men in the land and she wants love and she is being convinced that love is not important in the adult world and so it leads her to sing this song right we have these lines she wants somebody that won't turn away from her and this was the beginning of everybody reflecting each other's desires right she wants somebody that won't turn away from her Cyrano wants the same thing Christian is insecure because he's not as articulate as he might like to be. It was really wonderful. In the first few minutes, I thought this was the coziest, most whimsical thing I had ever seen. Everyone is packed tight in this colorful theater. It's all warm colors, these fluffy costumes. There's a funny audience participation when this famous actor goes on stage. And then Cyrano kills a guy. <laughs> not the guy who was on stage the, the... no not yes not the actor uh I, sh I guess i should explain a little bit <laughs> i think that's perfect no, that 
<laughs> Hopefully you've seen the movie. Stabs him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't like this guy's act. Just, just stabs him. To t- <laughs> so I'll say when that. So everyone's excited to see this actor, and Cyrano is interrupting. We hear his voice before we see him. Did you guys think that it was like just part of the show? Because I was questioning this. I was wondering that as well. I think it had to be right, but everyone still seemed shocked about it, and he's not an actor, so I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was just, I, I was just happy to hear Dinklage's voice booming like that. That's when I'm like, oh, this is about to go down. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, as, as soon as I heard Dinklage's voice, I'm like, he's about to stab someone to death. What he does, he, he you know, kind of shoes away the actor, the, the, the theater company, and then somebody who is in attendance uh, calls him a freak. And so he has the song When I Was Born, which is this this excellent, uh, aggressive energy from Cyrano. He duels with the man on stage. Dingle, very, fu- very fun number where he's cutting down his foe and building himself up. It's a great introduction number, which are always great to have in musicals. And then the blade goes through the guy. And I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> Cyrano broke his no-kill rule. Yeah. Nah, that's Batman's thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Roxanne falls in love with Christian. Were you guys at all skeptical over the love at first sight of Roxanne and Christian? Uh, I thought it was okay. Yeah, I thought it was too. I thought it made sense for the setting, you know? <laughs> I did too. I mean, also, Kelvin Harrison Jr., good looking guy, so no complaints there. I didn't fall in love with him at first sight, just saying. I mean, he was on a screen. Maybe if you see him in person, it's a whole different experience. Uh, uh, Cyrano confessing his love uh, to his friend Lebret, played by Bashir Salahuddin. I thought that was wonderful when he's laying on the table and he's like, you know, have you ever loved something so or wanted something so much that you cannot breathe? And this becomes a wonderful motif throughout. And then again, we get this tenderness of him saying that he loves Roxanne and he's going to meet with her because she wants to tell him something. And then we get Peter Dinklage as action hero. And I thought it was awesome. Yeah. I got to say, for the, for, the few, for the handful of fight scenes we got in this film, there were, they were pretty decently choreographed, in my opinion. It's an incredible line when he's like, I'd fight a hundred men for Roxanne's love. And then he's like, oh, I said I'd fight a hundred, but ten will do. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Peter Dinklage. <laughs> and it was like choreographed and shot really well. It wasn't like, you know, sometimes you get scenes where there are like five bad guys and it seems like each one is like waiting their turn to get beat up. <laughs> it didn't seem like that. It was him. He's throwing tortures. Uh, he's throwing guys off. And that was really awesome. He's impaling them on walls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, he did impale them on walls. Um, it's a very passionate movie, both in violence <laughs> and in, in love. We have So Cyrano knows that he's going to meet with Roxanne, so he meets with her in the back room of a bakery. And before then, uh, he's trying to write a letter, some loving words for him to say. And we get this song, Your Name, which is all about, it was such 
an excellent statement on the ineffability of love, right? He's saying, what am I supposed to say? Anytime I try to express myself, it all just comes down to the word Roxanne, 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 right? We don't always know, well, we don't quite know why we love somebody, but when we look at somebody and just get this gravitational feeling, it's ineffable. It can't be explained. It just, it is what it is. It's, it's truth without reason, if that makes any sense at all. And I thought this, this song did excellently. Plus, there's erotic dough in this scene. That is true. Did you guys think the dancing worked out in this movie? Because sometimes, like, we have the bread makers who are very sensually, you know, kneading dough and holding each other's hands and stuff. But, like, it wasn't all throughout. Sometimes there's choreography with the numbers and sometimes there's not. Did that mesh with you guys or no? Now that I think about it, it did seem a little inconsistent. But it's I'm not. Fair. I wasn't. I wouldn't say it was anything that detracted from the experience. I just thought it was odd because, like, at some points, clearly the singing wasn't actually like happening because no one reacted to it, and then other parts people joined in. So I just thought that was kind of odd, but I, I think it worked. I mean, I didn't have a problem with it. I just that's just what I noticed. Yeah. Sometimes there's a big musical number with it, and then other times they're singing while everyone else around them's not even paying attention. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I've never had a problem with. I just kind of accept that for theater, uh, for musicals, and I thought it kind of worked out for this scene because, you know, he was trying to help his friend the baker express himself, and he says, well. Give your romantic vision of life through what you love, which is baking. And that's when we get like this this dough shot and the people with flour on their hands, you know, being very sensual. I, I thought it worked out. The meeting with Roxanne. One of the best written scenes, one of the best acted scenes in the entire movie. They're going back and forth. She's giving him all of these clues to who she loves and he thinks it's her and she knows that it's not. And it is like any any fellow English teachers out there, if you if there's a YouTube clip of this eventually and you're trying to teach your classes about dramatic irony, you show this scene. This is the scene to go to. Just show the whole movie because it's excellent but show this scene this is dramatic at irony at its finest the rhythm of this is amazing um it like just tickled me so much when she talks about you know some people don't know how great they are and he's like i've met people like that i, I don't know why but I, that made me giggle so much um i know i'm just kind of being uh <laughs> an annoying fanboy right now but well, I'm I'm going to I'm going to echo that a little bit. You know, I thought that scene was fantastic. I I think um it was definitely well acted. I mean, especially when with the gut punch of watching Cyrano who de- who is like so sure that she's talking about him and then when she drops the ball or drops the bomb that it's Christian. Yeah. Uh, and you can see it. He he doesn't move or he doesn't really react. You can just see the defeat envelop his face and he just plays it off so well yeah you you bring up an excellent point but tyler go Uh, i was gonna say yeah i think it does it well to like 
it builds up to it. Like, you can tell it's getting further and further away from him, and it kind of culminates before she, like, explains it. Like, i never spoken to him. He's like, about your love? Like, he's just clinging to yeah, it yeah. being him as it gets further and further unlikely. And I think that was really well done. So that scene was heavily... Well, not the whole scene, but parts of the scene were heavily played in the trailers. And I was hoping it wouldn't be one of those things where, like, it isn't as good in the movie as it is in the trailers, and it was better, thank the Lord. And Matt, I want to piggyback on your point that in this movie with Dinklage, his face is doing so many things at once. I was so impressed with that. I want to talk about that more in the, at the ending number, where he just is heartbreaking, but totally. So after that, we get this, you know, he agrees with Christian that he's going to ghostwrite the letters. That's going to be his expression of love to Roxanne, a new avenue for him to to showcase how much he feels for her. And Christian, who is unfortunately um, not a man of letters, is, is going to convince Roxanne to love him. So we get the song, Every Letter, and I thought this might be the song and sequence of the movie. We get this motif again, just like in Someone to Say, where she goes, if I told you how much I need you, would you give me yourself or turn and run? And they're all asking this question at the same time. They're all so paranoid that they're not going to be loved when they express themselves. And I thought that was absolutely brilliant. Uh, we also get the lines. She's repeating, why didn't you say something? Why didn't you say something? And I don't know who is she talking to. Is she talking to Christian? Is she talking to Cyrano? This whole movie, you can grapple with the question of who is she really talking to when she's talking about love and, and expressing your feelings and all that. Yeah. Um, so do you think she really didn't know this whole time? I don't know. I think it's... I, mean, I, I guess we're expected to assume that she didn't, but... I don't know, and we'll talk about this more with the balcony scene, because that's, that's really, like, the big question scene. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know, Haley Bennett played it so, like, Roxanne has so much wisdom and knowledge in the world. So, I, I don't know. It's a good question. I took it kind of to be, like, she got this perfect image of, like, like this man that like every way is perfect that like she's ignoring like the inconsistencies mm. and just kind of like this this is the the person because this is the perfect person to me so she's just kind of like focused on that ideal that she's ignoring like obviously like the balcony scene like the voice change and stuff and like the <laughs> yeah events. i can't wait to get into that because that, that was <laughs> that was if there's a plot hole in the movie that's it but maybe there are answers to that i just want to say at the beginning of this number when she is like holding the letter and she's on the bed and it's in close-up and she's like that's the most erotic letter i've ever so this is you're gonna think i'm foolish for saying this but this is one of the most sensual erotic movies i have seen where nothing overtly sexual happens i can i can agree with Uh, that yeah i could see that for sure it's she's rolling on the bed like almost rubbing this letter over her body um which you know i i understand that was her she loved the soul the soul that she received from you know supposed christian at the time 
We know what I thought was the funniest scene in the movie, and I think you guys did too, from what I heard of your laughter. The meeting between Roxanne and Christian in the ladies' club. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He can just not say a smooth thing to to save his life. Uh, I, I won't bother to imitate it now, but it's an excellent like comedy of manners scene uh, a misunderstanding kind of thing also roxanne hit the nail on the head when she talked about some silences being comfortable or uncomfortable um and that really is true you know it's it's nice sometimes when you're with could be even be a friend or a romantic partner and you're you're comfortable being silent with somebody can i just point out that uma thurman did that first in pulp fiction Oh, yes, that's true. <laughs> and I do like the scene where um, Cyrano asks Roxanne if she's a Beatles or Elvis guy. So <laughs> We get the song I Need More, where Haley Bennett's voice really shines. Not that it didn't in the other songs, but um, this one is excellent. And that leads us to one of the best scenes in the movie that I've been thinking about a lot where Christian and Cyrano go to Roxanne's balcony so Christian can salvage uh, his faux pas performance in the ladies club. Cyrano feeds the dialogue to Christian. And the explanation that we get when she asks like, oh, why did your voice suddenly change? And he's saying, I'm, I'm just, I'm feeling more comfortable being myself now. What did you guys make of that? What were you thinking during that? Did it bother you in the moment? Did it bother you after? I, it didn't really bother me that much. I gotta be honest. I mean, it was a little awkward, but... I could buy it. <laughs> yeah. A lot of the things that, like, are fair critiques didn't really detract from my overall enjoyment of it. Hmm. I I laugh so hard at the line where he accidentally says like about that night when like Christian and she's like she sings this line which is like I didn't know you at the time yeah like, that, that was really window. funny <laughs> I that, that was probably the funniest part for me yeah <laughs> I I struggle with this and like I, it ultimately doesn't detract from me either but this is her childhood friend who she's known all her life. And also, like, he's known for his wit, right? So he's speaking a lot. And also, what makes it kind of even more hairy is that as the song overcome, and I'll get to that in a second, as the song goes on, he moves away from Christian and moves closer and closer to Roxanne. And even though his voice is now, like, coming from her right, she never turns her head. So you're willing, you're willing to let go of like people them singing and people not paying attention. You're willing to let that go, but you're not willing to let this go. I'm not. It doesn't yeah, that's, bother that's me. It's just a saying. question. It's a question. Was there some part of her that knew? That's what I'm asking. I I don't know. I think she was just so like focused on this perfect image that like she didn't care. Like she yeah. looked past things that didn't make sense just because they didn't fit this perfect narrative of hers hmm. almost like yeah like tunnel vision more or less exactly maybe 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 i don't know but the song overcome this is 
you know, it has those chords right in the beginning. And I don't know if you guys have this, but there are certain beginning notes of a song where as soon as I hear the beginning notes, I'm done for. I'm just emotional right then and there. And I think this is going to become one of those for me. It was so funny when he's talking about, I remember the day when you had your hair down, your lips were painted red, which, you know, I, it's, it's a relatable thing when you're attracted to somebody. Um, you just kind of get caught by their beauty. And Aren't her lips painted red for the whole movie, though? I, I wasn't there that day. Cyrano was. I'm going to trust him. <laughs> and then she's like, uh, we didn't meet. How is that possible? <laughs> and like, doesn't, doesn't miss a note, which that was really funny. I should also say, uh, I'm not going to save this for the end. And when the movie ended, I clapped and nobody else clapped. <laughs> I was going to join in, but no one else did. So I was yeah, like, right. I... lame-o. <laughs> I have to follow the crowd. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, my passion for Cyrano will, will override my fear of being a social outcast. <laughs> uh, I, I'd also love the scene because Cyrano... This is the closest that he ever gets to fully confessing his feelings to Roxanne face to face. The closest he ever gets to saying what he's wanted to say for his entire life. Um, and, you know, it's just a really special moment. And it ends with her and Christian kissing. That's usually what happens whenever I confess my love to a woman. She kisses another dude. <laughs> <laughs> Like right away or eventually? <laughs> no, just just right after. <laughs> I don't know why that, that just that just really struck me. That was funny. Even if it was a man with just complete white face paint and like <laughs> Dalmatian dots, like Degish. You know, if if it wasn't for those men, I'd have a lot more, uh, a lot more uh, success in the dating game. Losing all my women to those white painted face guys. The powdered wigs. Hey, he deserves his rightful place in heaven, so don't take it away from him. Uh, we have this whole conflict with him sending the letter because he wants them to get married and he withhold the army and she lies and she marries Christian instead and Degish has a great villain song to rival Scar and this is what I deserve and it's wonderfully sinister and I, I've listened to that one a lot too can I can I just bring up a quick thing and mm -hmm. that they're like Cyrano can you keep, keep a lookout worst lookout imaginable <laughs> I think that was on purpose I agree yeah. <laughs> it's, he jumps down just <laughs> which I thought she would like confront him about that be like Cyrano like you're like the greatest warrior in the army. What ha what happened? <laughs> this guy's a dude. He never lifted a dagger in his life. I, you couldn't stop him. <laughs> but yeah, she marries it. He does what I deserve. Then, uh, as revenge, pretty much for her marrying Christian, uh, Degish sends Cyrano's and Christian's battalion 
into war as a way to get Christian away from Roxanne. He has the song, and this is sad looking back on it, but Christian has the song Close My Eyes, which it felt like even before they knew they were going to be sent into that suicide mission, it felt like he knew that he was going to die and never see Roxanne again. Hmm. So his only hope was to, you know, wake up and see her in heaven or whatever he believed. Can I just say, like, LeBray didn't get enough screen time? Yeah. Oh, yeah, LeBray. That's like, probably how uh, LeBray it. was so supportive of Cyrano. And then they just, just sidelined him halfway through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're absolutely right. A wonderful performance by uh, Bashir Salahuddin. So I absolutely agree. And then Tyler, do you wanna do you wanna take us through your favorite part of the movie? Oh, it's just emotional, you know. You got all these men going out to die. I I know you're calling out the second guy because like he's like I said your name, and then he like just stares for like thirty seconds like Isabel, <laughs> like he forgot his line. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. <laughs> but but I, I thought it was so emotional you got these soldiers like they're giving that kid way too much to remember though they're like hey tell him and then they have a whole nother verse of things to yeah. tell put that in your letter don't don't make the messenger remember yeah. that he's got to visit yeah. all these people's family also yeah. what is he gonna say to the for the third guy's dad he's gonna be like your son thought you were a piece of crap but he liked you anyway <laughs> yeah, he's like he, he knows you were you weren't the best but you know yeah. <laughs> He might be going to hell. He, he might agree. <laughs> he literally said, he's like, he's not one of God's greatest creations. <laughs> yeah. Also, he said, like, I went in first. So is that implying that, like, he went to hell first? Or is he he's in heaven and he's expecting his father to meet him? I would assume heaven. I, uh, I personally thought that that sequence went on a little longer than it needed to. I didn't think it was too bad. I think it just got... It caught me off guard because it was not one of the main characters, you know, having their singing moment. So I, I really liked that. It, it was a departure from the main cast. You think while they were singing, Peter Dinklage like was just sitting there, like, okay, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, just waiting. Cyrano's <laughs> checking the watch. <sighs> <laughs> what I loved about this song was that you know the first guy is talking to, sending a letter letter to his wife. And he's like, you know, tell her that I love my life. And the other guy's like, tell her that I saw the whole world. And I really like that because sometimes the greatest comfort you can get for somebody that you loved is knowing that they were at peace or knowing that they want they did the things that they wanted to do. Not just like, oh, I love you. I love the kids and all that stuff. Um, but I, I love the way I live. And it's. It's tragic that it has to come to an end prematurely. It's unjust, um, but know that I love the time that I had, which I really love that that touch in the song. This is where we get Christian deciding that he can no longer take the deception, and he pleads with Cyrano to tell Roxanne, right? As we talked about before, the decision needs to be put in her hands. Cyrano is too frightened to do this. Um, so we have Christian dying on the battlefield what do you guys think of that moment was, was that impactful for you i think so i think the 
most impactful was like when Christian's getting angry with Cyrano, like when he finds out he wrote a letter every day, like kind of throws him against the wall, like you know, like it was just like he realized like how much love she had for her, and like he was living this life completely mm-hmm. like through, like he was living kind of um, what's the word I'm looking for, vicariously through him. So. Yeah. I thought that was really a nice touch. I thought the scene where he ran onto the battlefield and immediately got one-shotted was a little ridiculous. Yeah, Especially considering Cyrano just ran across the battlefield and they all missed. One guy was just like, oh, I'm ready. Yeah, well, especially, I, he was unarmed, too. Yeah, I thought that, that I thought that was goofy, to be honest. Was it a, was it a suicide? It had was to be. What, was he just going to run home? Like, Yeah. <laughs> Go straight home. Don't don't stop at all, no. Charlie. <laughs> well, I thought it was weird that he's like, you need to let you need to let her make the choice, and he's like, now nah, I'm gonna run out and get shot. Like, they they open the so letter. No <laughs> they open the letter two years later. It's just a golden ticket. <laughs> <laughs> run home, Charlie. Run as fast as you can. I mean, Christian. <laughs> Suddenly, Grandpa just, oh, I'm up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so so Christian, Christian parishes, which I thought Kelvin Harrison Jr. played that very well. And Cyrano is wounded, like in the shoulder, bicep area, it looked like. And then we jump three years later, which I was... Not expecting this, but we we do a jump of three years. Now, this is the portion of the movie that I wish had been done a little bit differently. Um, Cyrano is still trying to find the right words to tell Roxanne what he means. But, you know, the grand irony is there are no words. It's just he loves her, you know. I'll I'll skip that or else I'm going to get too mushy, but... Roxanne is in a... Was she in a convent? Is that what that was? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. So she's in a convent. He visits her every week. And when they are left alone in this this portion of it, he asks to see Christian's last letter and starts reciting it from memory. And this is when she finally at least acknowledges that she knows it was him I don't I still don't know at what point she actually knew. Maybe she knew the whole time. But we get this song No Cyrano, which has notes of Madly in it. And Dinklage's voice is so tired and pained in this song. It breaks my heart every single time I hear him sing this. Uh, it's so good. And they're talking about love's a painful game, right? And that was his whole life was him being in pain loving Roxanne and I'm not going to say that she never could have loved him back but that was the the assumed perception in his world which we don't know well we do know that she could have loved him back but he spent his whole life thinking that she couldn't have Um, and she's she's begging him to stay right she's saying I'm alone you can't leave me I need to hold on and even towards the bitter end even after they kiss he like will not admit like I love you. He won't do it. So I, I love the song. Don't love the blocking of this scene. 
did it work for you guys or, or was there something else more that you desired I thought it was fine. I mean, I, I've been saying this all, all evening that I, you know everything about it to me was fine. There wasn't anything I disliked about it really that I can pick on. I think it worked. I, I really got emotional at this point. I was like really feeling for them. Um, so I think it worked really well actually. I love the close up because it was so intimate, and it was the first time where they are squished together. Right when they are when they're very close, um, and you can still see here Cyrano's reluctance. I guess I just didn't love the you know the cut to this medium shot of Cyrano perishes from his wound, and she is just kind of weeping over him, and then that's it. Like just the rhythm of the ending just seemed like a little bit off to me. And, and I someone be... started clapping after that. I'm like, what yeah. is going on? <laughs> I don't I don't care. <laughs> if I ever go to another screening of that movie, I'm clapping every single time. We got we got claps for Cyrano, but no claps for Batman. Just putting mm, that out we'll, there. We'll get to that next week. Generally not a clapper in theaters. I only do it when warranted. And Cyrano got it for me. I don't know. I, it just seemed like, and this is going to be total, like, me speculating stupid stuff, but it felt like even in the theater, the rest of the crowd wasn't expecting it to, like, just end right there. Hmm. I, yeah, I thought that was kind of an abrupt end myself. I, 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 I don't know how I would have ended it differently, but... I don't think it needed to end differently. I just think it needed it, we needed to be ushered into the end differently, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I don't know exactly how that would have been done, but um, that was the one thing. At least we weren't the people that went in there and sat there for 10 minutes and then stormed out. <laughs> yeah, so these people <laughs> showed up late and yeah. like were there for, like you said, 10 minutes and then... Like, how do you pay money and then go in late, stay for 10 minutes, and leave? I just want to say stormed out is an accurate term. They, like, <laughs> stomped out of there. <laughs> they were angry at this. <laughs> what, 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 other, what other movie did that happen with us recently? Was it, was it House of Gucci? It was House of Gucci. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, but that no, was, like, an those, hour into it. <laughs> those people just ran out of booze. <laughs> yeah, true. That's what that was. Yeah, true. Because that woman was laughing her head off, and then she's just like, all right, that's enough of that. Yeah, that's right. The Cinemark bar cut her off. Yeah. Poor woman. Uh, Any final thoughts on Cyrano? I mean, I pretty much covered my thoughts of it already pretty well, I think. It was very solid. I enjoyed it significantly more than I thought I would. I hesitate to recommend it to just anybody but i definitely recommend if you have the option check it out with an open mind it's fair i i'll be honest with you i was hoping to not like this movie so i could just use the sign sound bite cyrano cyrano thanks but i couldn't so it's a little That's sad awful. about that <laughs> i enjoyed it <laughs> yeah i love this obviously i again i don't think i can articulate all that i admired about it even through all my my blabbering but please please check it out and support this uh we were so what we were originally slating back in december was we were gonna see this 
and West Side Story, which we're going to be talking about very soon, heads up. And we were going to do like a year in review for movie musicals of 2021. And obviously this got pushed eight months forward. So we didn't get to do that. Uh, But 2021 was a good year for movie musicals. There were some I liked, some I did not like. I'll give you guys a little bit of a flavor of what we got. In the Heights, which we never really talked about. Um... It was not my favorite. I had a bit of higher expectations for that. Did either of you see that? I did not. Yeah, it was not my favorite. And then we had a net, which was the Adam Driver and Marianne Cotillard um, musical. And that was one where a lot of the, the speaking was done in song. I was really not a fan of that one. It really shot for the moon. And sometimes that works. And this one did not work for me at all. Tick Tick Boom, we loved West Side Story. Uh, you know, we'll do. We're gonna do a full review on it, but I really liked that one a lot. I was pretty blown away by it. I don't know, Matt was too. Mm-hmm. Dear Evan Hansen, forgot that that was this year. A really interesting discussion piece, Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs> I um I saw some clips of that again recently, and I I can't believe how not like a teenager the lead of that movie looks like <laughs> it looks so ben goofy Platt, you don't look like a high schooler sorry to say i i made it through the first music number and shut it off i'm just gonna say that <laughs> the song it's got good songs i'll give it that i think the central premise is a little you know it, it could be changed a little bit to make it a little more palatable you know what it reminded me of have you guys seen promos for that show chad with nasim pedrad <laughs> yeah i have yes. like chad yeah, yeah. that's what no, it reminds what me that? of it's like a weird like sitcom where nasim pedrad plays like a teenage boy <laughs> what okay yeah, yeah it, it looked awful it looks terrible. I, I recently, over Christmas, watched New Girl in its entirety, which has her as a guest character for the last few seasons. So it was bizarre to think she played like a high school boy. <laughs> it, I mean, it's got less than five percent or less than five out of ten on IMDb. So oh, maybe I'll look at the trailer for that one. Uh, we also got Encanto, which was great. Respect, which I did not see. Um, I feel like the response to that was a little middling, but I didn't see it myself. Cinderella, which is currently the the favorite for the Oscars fan favorite movie hashtag or whatever's going on there. The only thing I saw that was the clip that Tyler sent me of a note that was not necessarily being hit, but no judgment for me. I just me. think it's hilarious that that's beating a Mar- the big, one of the biggest Marvel movies ever. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure it's a troll job. I like how could it not be? <laughs> I, it's yeah. got to be, but yeah. I just still think it's hilarious. And then we got the masterpiece Sing Two, um, <laughs> just excellent in every way. None of none of us saw Sing Two. Let let's no. not get it twisted. Yeah, the, none of us we, saw we, Sing we Two. We still haven't found what we're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> I just read an article recently, forgive me for not remembering the source, where Bono was like, said he was embarrassed by most of the songs that, that U2 produced now. <laughs> I, I like U2. Let, let's not get that twisted either. No insults to U2. All right, we're going to be back. I like back. U2. 
<laughs> no, I, I, I don't like you two. I like you two, but not you two. Uh, fair. I'm try, try to decipher the meaning of that one. We're going to be back with our review of Best Picture nominee Belfast right after a word from our awesome podcast friends. Hello, I'm Anthony. And I'm Dr. Issues. And we're the hosts of Capes on the Couch, the podcast where comics get counseling. Superheroes don't always get to go home happy. That's where we come in. We offer psychiatric and mental health evaluation of comic book characters. We also chat with some of your favorite creators. Al Ewing. Erica Schultz. Gail Simone. Philip Kennedy Johnson. Chris Claremont. About their work on comics. So check out all our episodes at capesonthecouch.com and follow us at Capes on the Couch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hashtag BecauseComics. All right, Tyler and I are back talking about Belfast. This is the third part of our Oscar Rewind series. Belfast is about a young boy who grows up in a loving neighborhood in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Violent conflict and family complications make it increasingly difficult for the family to stay in the neighborhood. This is written and directed by Kenneth Branagh. This won the People's Choice Awards at the Toronto International Film Festival, and I've heard people loving it ever since. It was nominated for seven Oscars. Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor for Kieran Hines, Best Supporting Actress for Judy Dench, Best Director for Brenna, Best Song, Down to Joy by Van Morrison, which is played right there in the beginning, Best Sound, and Best Original Screenplay. Tyler, tell me, are you a Van Morrison fan, and what did you think of Belfast? I, I, I like a little Van Morrison once in a while. <laughs> Uh, I I, re- I actually really enjoyed Belfast. Um, as an Irishman, I'm obligated to. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I thought it was really heartfelt. Um, uh, Jude Hill for a young actor, he phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have to say, I think Katrina Balfe was robbed not getting a nomination for that. I thought she was really good. Yeah. I I understand the nominations that came out. I do like I I support that they got them but i think she should have got one for sure um but yeah this movie was just i like i like i was telling you earlier um i thought from the trailers it was gonna be a little more upbeat which Mm -hmm. it wasn't but it did have enough moments that definitely helped it and i think it was really interesting A, a time period that like we don't really get much in as americans we don't really hear that much about the troubles so it was nice to kind of get a look into that and a more um like a character study in the middle of that story. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It was an excellent history. A history setting, very immersive in that without like giving you too much of a history lesson, which some some movies tend to do. I would like to start with the things that I really admire about this movie. One of them is that you can really feel the love that Kenneth Branagh infuses into the movie for his hometown, for all the people who were there. And also, like, the joy and pain of remembering your past and the place that you came from. I also love the central conflict of living in your own kind of paradise, your home, and knowing that ultimately it isn't the best place for you and your family. So do you believe or do you leave behind those things you hold dearest for the chance at a better life? Or do you stay and try to endure knowing that it's it's there's a good chance that something bad is going to happen. And this movie also effectively really blends bliss and tragedy together. Things are moving very fast and scenes change very fast, the mood. And I I thought it was very successful in this. As far as the watching experience, if I'm like taking my 
my thinking hat off and just kind of being an audience member. There's a lot to like here. There's a lot of sweet scenes, funny scenes. My interest kind of waxed and waned with the individual scenes. Uh, this movie is rapid. It moves from thing to thing to thing, which I thought gave some energy to a lot of sequences. Um, but in others, one in particular, some things seemed like they just happened a little too fast. I don't know if you felt that way at all, and I'm sure we can talk about the specific ones. But I, I, I do agree with that, honestly. Yeah, totally. But I, I completely agree with you that Jude Hill, as this young actor, you know, sometimes when you have um, child actors in movies, there are like actual good performances from child actors, and then there are just like cute kid performances where the kid's cute, but like it's, you know, that's kind of it. Uh, this was like a genuine good performance. He he really ran the emotional gambit. He has that wonderful scene where he freaks out about them having to leave. And then he's having so much fun all the other times. He really progresses. This is a movie very much about growing up, both from the, the kid side and from the adult side. And he really brought that to the forefront. Uh, could you give your Katrina Balf argument? Well, I, I <laughs> it's not prepared for this. <laughs> Please, it's off the cuff. <laughs> I just think she, like, every scene she was in, I think she stole the show for a lot of it. Um, especially the scene where, which we're getting into spoilers now, but when they go back to the supermarket and she's, like, <laughs> screaming at him, like, you just felt so, like, like, she just had this switch she could turn on, but, like, she just played so well, this character of, like, want, like, like you said before, this balance between, like, wanting to stay where their family is and... I think this movie did a great job of, like, you know, when people look at historical events, like, that happen in areas, a lot of times I hear, like, oh, why didn't they just leave? Why didn't they just move? And I think this is a really good thing. You have all these roots here. It just really explored that well. And I think she did that well of, like, you know, she knows how bad it gets, but she wants to fight for her home. She's the one that's there where Jamie Dornan's character is not there. I think his name's just Pa. That's all that's Yeah, given. I think they're just Mom, Mom and Pa. pa. Yeah, so Pa's, like, not around, which she acknowledges, so, like, she's had to kind of hold this family together, and she's done it for so long that she's rooted in this place, and she can't think of anything else, but, and you just kind of see that conflict on her. I think she portrayed it really well. Yeah, she's definitely the anchor on the side of, like, we should stay in Belfast, where Pa, Jamie Dornan, is is on the other side of that. I also thought that he was excellent in this. I, I'm not as shocked that he didn't get Best Supporting Actor because Kieran Hines as Pop um, seemed more positioned to be that throughout the season. But when Judy Dench's name was announced on Oscar nom morning, I, I was surprised. I mean, not it's not shocking in retrospect because it is Dame Judy Dench, but at the same time, Katrina Balfe definitely seemed positioned for that. I feel like Judy Dench wasn't given that much in this movie that I was shocked. Like, she was great in it. I just didn't think she had that much that would have gotten her the Oscar nomination. I think she has a couple of really key moments that um, sort of like you have to sit with as an audience member. Um, and we can talk about those. But as I mentioned, this, this movie really blends joy and turmoil very well. And I thought in here was inherent the idea that we often talk about joy as an escape from like the, the miseries of the world or the troubles of the world. And this is a subtle difference that I don't know if will make sense, but I thought this movie was sort of 
supporting the idea that joy is not an escape from sad or bad things in the world, but rather violence and troubling things are an interruption of the joy of life, right? Joy seems to be sort of the base state in this environment, in this community of these characters. And it's the violence in the community which interrupts that. I don't know if that makes any sense or if that's a glass half full, half empty kind of thing, but I I just like that this movie is on the side of peace. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I, I agree with that. I actually like that. That, that was good. <laughs> yeah. Also interesting that we don't get movies like this a lot where this is an adult, you know, this is a movie for adults, but it's from the perspective of a child. Um, the m- movie I'm thinking of the top of my head would be Eve's Bayou is also like this. Wonderful movie. Whale Rider is also kind of like this from a, uh, a couple of decades ago now. But, you know, like you mentioned, the character names, we have Ma, Pa, Granny, and Pop. Like, they don't get first names unless unless they were named Ma and Pa as, as infants, <laughs> but I, I don't think they were. And it, there are so many childlike things in this where you get, you know, when you're a kid, you get bits and pieces of info that you overhear from adults and maybe you know something isn't going totally right but you're not entirely sure what the matter is as you get a little older you get you get more and more in the know and also one aspect of childhood that i've always thought of is that like things change very suddenly whenever something changes majorly you know as an adult you can see see things coming a little bit more but as a kid you're just like totally blindsided and you're like all right well i guess this is the thing now and if you're ready i i would like to move into some plot points because i think the beginning very much showcases that uh, i'm ready all right uh well, first you recommend belfast I, I definitely recommend Belfast, absolutely. It's an hour and a half long, so it's not like a long movie, and it's definitely very enjoyable for its runtime. I totally agree. I would recommend it, too. I have watched it twice. I enjoyed it even more the second time, which seems to be the theme in our, our Oscar Rewind series. Spoiler warning. If you have not seen the following movie, please go watch that movie and come back or accept the consequences. All right, so the first thing we start with is it's in most of the movie is in black and white, but we start in color with some roving shots over Belfast. We have the Titanic Museum there, which I thought, you know, I didn't think much of the first time, but this last time I was like, what an interesting one of the opening images because you think of the Titanic as something that was incredibly grand and beautiful but was ruined by this tragedy that may have been avoidable. And I thought that was a nice parallel to uh, the childhood of Buddy and of the community of Belfast. And we also get, I like that it starts in color and then you sort of peek over this wall into the past because it positions this as a movie, not just about the past, but about somebody who is looking back on the past. Right, because when you start in color and you sort of peek over that wall of memory, and you're going back and you're remembering everything, um, which, which makes sense because if, you know if this was the adult buddy looking back, he sees a lot more of the adult things and the conflict that is going on. Uh, back to 1969, 
So this this first scene, could you explain your confusion or bafflement with what went on there? I just, it wasn't like confusion, it was just kind of jarring, like I wasn't expecting it to just go from this like peaceful, idyllic neighborhood, all these kids playing and stuff, to just immediately like a riot and people start destroying houses and car bombs and everything, Molotov cocktails, yeah. it was just a very jarring opening. Yeah, I, I, I liked it much more the second time because I was like, yeah, the, we start with Buddy who has a... He is playing at violence, right? He has this toy sword and the trash can lid shield, and he's having the time of his life. And then he's just like staring down the street, and there is an actual mob that is uh, coming to commit political and religious violence on people in their own community. Um, so I, yeah, things change very fast, and it was very jarring. But I, I can only imagine that that's perhaps how it felt at the time especially for a kid. Uh, we get a lot of situational setups. There are a lot of like family dynamics going on at once. We have Pa who can't pay his taxes. He might want to move to England. Pop has medical issues. His lungs aren't good. He worked in the mines over in England years ago. And that's mixed with all this joyous stuff. We have Buddy who has a crush on somebody. We have all his friends. We have one of his friends, Mora, who gets him into some some heavy trouble later and you know this is a protestant family who are supporting their catholic neighbors but there's a little i don't there's a little criticism of catholicism in this movie how did you feel about the church scene when the priest is going off well i thought i thought that was a protestant priest Oh, yeah. Well, so I, I thought it was supposed to be like uh, the criticism was like hypocritical. That's what I cause... thought. But he said, Protestants, you're going to die. Well, I thought that was like he's saying like, oh, if you don't pick Protestantism, you're going to die. Like you have to stick with us. Oh, okay, I took maybe. that how to be like if you go Catholic side, oh, you go to hell. OK, yes, I'm stupid. I'm sorry. That would make sense because right before Pa says, I have nothing against Catholicism, but it's a religion of fear. Then yeah, I guess that would show the irony. Turns, yeah. Yeah. I thought I took that as an ironic, yeah, like All right, fair immediately enough. showing how hypocritical. That's I a good am. point. That guy was sweating too. Good job yeah, on that he, guy. He's getting into it. Also presented the argument that Catholics can always and I say this as somebody who grew up Catholic, uh Catholics can always just be forgiven for stuff. That was an argument presented to me like many times uh by people. I'm not gonna get into it, but so it was a little bit funny. Uh, early on, when we get this kind of debate of, you know, because Pa, he doesn't see his kids mostly the whole week or sometimes for a couple of weeks at a time. And so he proposes the idea of his family moving to England where he can get more work, better paying work. And we get the scene between Buddy and Pop where he says, what do you want? And Buddy describes, you know, being the best player at football and he describes getting to marry the crush the girl that he has a crush on and i thought this was excellently paired with the scene later on when pop is in the hospital and he again he says well what do you want and it shows buddy growing up where he the first time it has nothing to do with the conflict of what's going on it's a very childlike desire i want to be a football player i want to marry the girl i have a crush on and later on he knows that his family is going so he says, I want you and Granny to come with me. 
And that, that was one of my favorite, like, growing up moments. I mean, it's really heartbreaking. I'm sad it had to happen, but I thought it was very well done. Uh, the robbery scene. The only thing I want to note about this, because his, his friend gets him to rob a convenience store. This is store. cousin, I believe. Was it his cousin? I think Moira is his cousin. Oh, okay, his cousin. Gets him to rob a convenience store. And I think he gets he grabs a Turkish delight. And the only reason I want to note this is because when I was a child, one of like the formidable movie theater going experiences when I was a kid was The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. That movie just seemed like the biggest movie ever when I was a kid. It was that, the Peter Jackson King Kong, and Revenge of the Sith. Those were like the biggest movie theater going experiences when I was a kid. And in The Chronicles of Narnia, uh, one of the brothers, Ed, when he's captured by the White Witch and she's trying to prove to him that she's great, he can have anything he wants, he says that he wants Turkish delight. And, you know, in America, we don't really have that. And so I thought Turkish delight was the most delicious thing that had ever occurred (laughs) or was made in the entire world and a couple of decades later still haven't had it so i I can't confirm or deny that but i was shocked (laughs) to hear to hear somebody say nobody likes turkish delight (laughs) shocked you know i was wondering i'm like why do i why do i know about this candy that's what it was that's That's what it was ed was chomping on turkish delight in the snow See, I'm glad I didn't realize that because my childhood would have been ruined. You know, that yeah. was my goal to have a Turkish have delight. Turkish delight. <laughs> no, no one likes them. I got a passport just so I could get some Turkish delight. <laughs> get to the UK, grab some, and say, "All right, we're going home." Uh, I and I like that scene a lot because it is this very like childlike thing. Even though he's robbing a store, it's I don't want to say it's cute, but it's like a kid who's afraid he's going to get in trouble. And then immediately after that, we get him coming into the house and the parents are arguing about uh, the mom getting the dad uh, in more tax trouble. Now he owes more, he claims. And so there's this like childhood trouble juxtaposed with this adult trouble. And again, it's this, this burgeoning having to grow up maybe faster than Buddy would have liked or his parents would have even liked for him. I like how there's a big old Western influence on this. Uh, whenever, whenever there's something going on in Belfast, there's this old Western film to like underline the emotional context. We have you know some John Wayne films going on. This guy's asking, "Does everybody kill crazy in this country?" And then later on, when the when Ma and Pa are having issues, we have a woman who doesn't want to be a widow. She doesn't want to wait on a man forever. There's a lot of Tex Ritter music in this, who was um, a big country music star back in the day, father of John Ritter. And, you know, it does make sense. There are parallels between this movie and old westerns of there's violence in the community. There's a sense of lawlessness in here, like anything can happen. And there is this uh, question of, I don't want to say wanderlust because they don't want to leave, but this like feeling of a need to move on there's not a ton of settling there's always sort of we need to move on that kind of thing and like you said katrina Balfe really really anchors this whole idea of 
why Belfast is so great. She's sitting with another woman. They're talking about how everyone in the neighborhood really anchors them, looks after each other, and that's why they want to stay. And that's why they, they can't leave because wherever they go, they're always going to be a foreigner. And this is the only place where they're at home with all the people that care about them. I don't know. I, I didn't experience that growing up. Did you? No, not really. No. It's not a not a very close-knit community. <laughs> no, it's... And I don't know if that's a product of our time or place or whatever, but... I feel like it's a time thing. I don't think that happens much anymore. Like, the whole neighborhoods know each other. Mm-hmm. But maybe it does. <laughs> if somebody moved into your neighborhood, would you introduce yourself to them? Currently, no. <laughs> <laughs> Someday you might. Yeah, maybe if I'm in, like, a, a nicer community, <laughs> feel the need to. You could also hire a smiling friend to go to their house and cheer them up. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I really love the, the pop and granny scene where he's talking about his heart skipping anytime she walks in the room. I mean, the man was just spitting out charm for the entire <laughs> scene. He just, he just had lines stockpiled up, and he was spitting them out. <laughs> I can kind of see where the the academy was shifted that way because of you know them as a pair really worked. They're good That's individually, true. but I think together was really where the the flames were ignited. That makes sense. I can see that. Yeah. The Christmas scene where Buddy flips out about uh, not wanting to leave Belfast. Great scene by Jude Hill. He was excellent in that. And I also thought that showed the grown-ups having to grow up because that's when the father gives his nice speech to Ma about, you know, you raised the kids, thank you for that. I didn't really do as much as I could. And he also realizes that because she still she does like one last-ditch effort to try to get him to stay, but he is like, no, we can't always be on them. Kids the same age are getting killed around the corner. And she says, well, you know, we're you and me, we can protect them. And he's like, you can't be with them 24 hours a day, which it, it was showing them growing up in this realization that even as a parent, your love and passion and protection of your children can only go so far. Your kids are going to have to interact with the outer world where on some level they're going to have to be independent. Yeah, and I think it. I think he said it. I don't know if it was this scene or later, towards the end, when he said like the line, like we can't force them to give up their childhood. And I think that's that. Like he's realizing if he leaves them here, they're gonna mature a lot faster than they should because of what's going on, and then forcing them to be in that. So it's kind of like they're growing up, and we need kind of like we need to shelter them from this so they don't grow up so fast. Like everything, like they have to become mature for this area. Like what's going on. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I 100% agree. Great point. Later on, when... Well, I'll I'll get to that in a second. We go three months later. The cousin, again, gets Buddy into some trouble. She thinks they're just going to be looting a store. He grabs some detergent. Yes, the biological detergent. Brings it home. Ma makes him bring it back in this... Like, terrible mob. So I I have a question for you. Is this the best parenting or the worst parenting? 
so I think I think she she thought this was the best, and that's when she realized, like, oh my god, what am I doing putting him in this? And I think it's just kind of like she's so strict and like I'm not gonna let him take this that like she's gonna put him back in that situation just to bring it back to prove a point. Like I don't think she meant it to be as bad as it was because you know she got him back in the middle of this yeah. violent situation, but it was just kind of like a, you need to do the right thing, so you have to do it, like regardless of what the risks are kind of thing yeah got him into a situation where a, a malicious man who has a grudge against the dad against pa has a gun on them and only through pa's awesome brick throwing well it, i'm sorry that is- <laughs> i thought so too but they did have the scene earlier where he that's an excuse paul yeah, they they just kind of set up. He well, yeah, he's throwing baseballs at his son's head and not hitting him in the head, and hitting apples off his head, so he can throw well. But come on, you're throwing a brick across the street to knock a gun out of someone's hand. He didn't even draw the gun by the time he threw it, so that was a, he, he could tell where exactly where his hand was going, which is impressive. That's what his work was in in England. He was a soothsayer. He was a fortune teller. I think that was some of that Western influence there, too. Like, the shot of them yeah, that's on the true. street. Yeah, that's true. Like, the high noon almost shot. That's a, Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I just like how the militia was there. <laughs> just standing there. <laughs> and it took a man with no armor and a brick. <laughs> yeah, they just let this happen. Like, yeah, he'll, he'll take care of it. How embarrassing is it that you have a gun... And you're beaten by a man 50 yards away who has half of a brick. Wasn't even a full brick. <laughs> I'd be pretty embarrassed. Yeah, embarrassed enough to get free to get movie free tickets. movie tickets. <laughs> Can't wait for a... What's the new Captain Marvel movie called? Meet the Marvels? <laughs> Something like Something that. Like that. Uh, we're getting meet, meet the Mets. Yeah, we're getting free tickets for that one. So after that, uh, Ma is a little more convinced that they should leave now. And she says that every morning she wakes up sick. That Did that mean that she was pregnant? Did you get that at all? That's what I thought they were alluding to with her like vomiting. I, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure either, but I... And then, yeah, they, you show, they show her vomiting, which I assumed because they never really discuss it in any other way. Um, so that, that's what I thought it meant, which again, it would lead credence to her going, okay, I don't, I really don't think I can re- bring up a baby now with all this chaos going on. We have the, so this was first we get pop who is in the hospital for his lungs. It seems that he was reluctant to get his lung issue checked out, but now he finally is. And he's sick, and he tells tells his son, "You got to get as far away as you can. They're gonna come for you, um, and they're gonna have full bricks this time, and you're not gonna be able to stop them. <laughs> you can't throw those as well." And then we just, you know, we have a little bit in between, and then we cut away to Buddy finding his dad at the pub, and then Pop is just in a casket. And I, this was the one thing that I'm like, I don't. I feel like this was a little too fast. I agree. It, it did. It was just like a quick. All of a sudden, always oh, dead. <laughs> yeah, it just didn't didn't hit me emotionally. It just seemed almost. And I don't think that this is what it is. But especially the first time, it just seemed almost like 
a checkbox list item that you can go, all right, there's that emotional beat. Now we can move on. And don't get me wrong. I'm, you know, it's a very emotional scene. I, I just wasn't personally as affected by it as I thought I would be. Uh, the before they leave, they have the dance scene where Jamie Dornan sings "Everlasting Love." Just I, I, tell me what you thought about that. I th- hey, he was he was giving it his all. I mean, you know. <laughs> so was that actually his voice? I was, I was wondering that. I'm not sure. Was I, he singing doing that? I tried to look. I couldn't find. It. I think it was. Well, I give him props. So it's a yeah. good, a little over the top. <laughs> so know? the first time I watched, I was like, I don't know what this is doing in the movie. Like, it just seems very <laughs> out of place. The second time I watched, I'm like, okay, this is a really nice, like, um, and a nice moment of ecstasy of a celebration of, you know, their love and them being happy. So I liked it the second time, but still he starts off on the mic and then it turns a little music video where he's now yes. not singing into the mic, but his volume is just as high and he's dancing around his wife. And like, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> just, it's very odd. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked it, but it's still. Like they could have done that scene with him just dancing and not singing, and it would have had the same effect. <laughs> it's odd to have him start it singing and then just, <laughs> now yeah. he's singing off stage. I don't know. Just... Not even like he was making out with that microphone. <laughs> he was. But maybe he just has a very powerful voice. It also just the voice. Maybe if I listen again, but the voice didn't sound the same throughout the entire thing. Uh, maybe I'm picking this apart too much, but I was... Maybe someone else took over the mic and... Yeah. <laughs> he was lip-syncing. <laughs> Everyone's like, whoa! He's so good, he doesn't need a mic. Yeah, yeah that, I, I don't know. It just didn't rub me the wrong way. It just, like, raised one of my eyebrows half an inch. <laughs> And after that, they have to leave Belfast. Buddy says goodbye to the girl that he has a crush on. They say goodbye to Granny. And they get away on the bus and leave. And I think this is perhaps one of the reasons why Judy Dench got the edge over Katrina Balfe. Um, is that at the end, she gets the final moment, right? Where she's, you know, it's her staying back in Belfast. And she says, you know, goodbye, son. Go. Don't look back. And then you see her through the pane of the door and, you know, she's breaking down. And that's uh, the last image before we get to this kind of final back to color sort of thing. So I, I think that's that's maybe part of the reason why she edged out Katrina Balfe. But I agree. I I think Katrina Balfe should have gotten it. But I am not the Academy. I do like this little little coda moment of. We have this this super over the screen. It says, for the ones who stayed, for the ones who left, and for all those who were lost. And this was very touching, I thought, for Mr. Brana to include this as, as a dedication to the people. Because that's what this whole thing was about, was remembering all the people that he knew and the mark that he left on his life. All right. So as far as awards, which of these seven 
and I can read them again if you want. Do you think that this is most likely to win? Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor, Best Supporting Actress, Director, Song, Sound, and Original Screenplay. What do you think? I think Supporting Actor would have, or Screenplay would be the top ones that I would think it would have a chance to win. Hmm. I don't... I don't think Actor, because I think both Troy Kotzer and maybe Cody Smith-McPhee are ahead of him. Oh, that's true, yeah. I th- I think Cody Smith McPhee is going to win that. Once so upon a time, I do think Kieran Hines had a really good chance, but I think those two are ahead of him. Um, I think Ariana DeBose is getting supporting actress, and I also don't think Judy Dench is in second place, so I don't think it's that. Director, I don't think so either. Song maybe, Van Morrison. We could. Yeah, maybe. Sound. I'm going to say no to sound. Original screenplay, it could. A lot of people are saying worst person in the world. After watching this a second time, I was impressed by how all the elements came together. Um, So it could be original screenplay. It's also very much a crowd pleaser, which could factor in. So I'm I'm going to say song or maybe best picture. Hmm? Could that happen? Is there a world? You think so? Well, we have to think about this. It's preferential balloting. So even if Belfast is not a lot of Academy members' number one votes, if it's still near the top of a lot of people's lists, then I think it could get it. I also think that bodes well for a film like Coda. But yeah. but I, I don't know. Because this, this really felt like the front runner for a while. But it came out, um, let me check when it came out. It was like November, I believe, for wide audiences. I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously, uh, Academy members, I'm sure, got screeners and all that kind of stuff. But I didn't see this for the longest time. I saw it in like late January or early February. Oh, this came out in... I just saw this movie today. (laughs) (laughs) What was your first thought upon finishing? My first thought, yeah. How did that was? Man I just bro- I sing without. I the broke microphone. out into a musical number of everlasting love. <laughs> yeah, you know I don't need this microphone. You threw it away. <laughs> uh, well, it premiered at Telluride in September, but I think it was released in like November or something like that. But then it it went away, so I didn't get to see it. Wait, yeah, I think Best Picture or Best Song, but I don't know. I feel like. The last couple of movies we've talked about, we're not sure that they're winning any Oscars. (laughs) Uh, In a couple of weeks, we'll have our our final predictions, so stay tuned for that. Well, dear listener, if you have any thoughts on Belfast, on Cyrano, please see Cyrano, or award season, anything else, you can write to us at silverscreensaverspod at gmail.com. If you like the show, please tell a friend or rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever platform you use. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ScreensaversPod. Our Facebook is Silver Screensavers Podcast. And Tyler, where can you be found online? Find me on Instagram and Twitter at Tyler Sutkus. And you can find me on Letterboxd, Tyler96. Uh, Matt can be found online at Matty X Sturds. He will be back next week 
And I can be found online on Instagram and Twitter at Michael underscore Gallat and on Letterboxd at MGallat. Well, thank you all so much for listening. We're excited to see you guys next time. See ya. Silver Screen Savers podcast was co-created, written, hosted, and produced by Michael Gallant, Tyler Sukkis, and Matt Sturdivant, with additional editing by Matt Sturdivant, intro music by Charles Michelle via Pixabay, logo design by Nathan Seidel.